Transformers Chronicles. I am Delvin, aka the Dark Web. And in case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing is all about. We are going for a wild, crazy ride, chronicling the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, the Transformers. But I will not be going out alone. Let's meet my chronicling companion, starting with the founder of the Longbox Crusade, the relative novice to the Transformers world. Oh, the seeker of the matrix of knowledge, Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Christados. What's up, Pat? You know, you, you kind of said it there. It's like, am I a novice still? Maybe. You know, we, like, oh, this, I, I've got a trans. I've, I've got a I've got a 32, 32 out of 80. That's almost half. Oh, yeah, so okay. so I got to adjust it a little bit. Like you're yeah, you're, no. you're not as so much like of a, a novice. So like a journeyman by now. Yeah, like po- yeah possibly, yeah, an acolyte, possibly a journeyman. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, I've read a few um, medieval books, like the Lone Wolf series, back in the day. I'm not going to get into that because I could talk about that for a while. Pat, Delvin, if you start a Lone Wolf podcast, I am right there with you. I we will, Dude, I will oh, read. Oh my god, <laughs> Lone Wolf was awesome. Sorry, oh, Pat. you could take me on that journey. I remember <laughs> seeing all those books. All oh, those are great. Dude, I loved Lone Wolf. It was so fun. They were so good. I read them all the way through 20. Well, and then they actually. That's what we did when we couldn't them. find anybody to play DD. It was, oh, it was yeah. D&D in the book, and you, it was great. Anyway, Transformers. Yes. So good. All right. Are we <laughs> we're, no we're, idea what that is. This, None is, at all. this is intro. So oh, you love it, Maggie. You probably but we're already off the rails. <laughs> Pat, what yeah. is up, man? Just everything and anything is up right now, Delvin. So um, I'm excited to be talking Transformers again with everybody. Here we go. Let's do this one. It's exciting, you know. I am. I, I do know. And I'm excited, too. I'm always excited. It's good to see you guys. It's good to talk Transformers, read these books, you know, that I enjoyed as a kid. So we'll move on from Pat's positivity to our Transformers expert. He is the lesser half of Mary Washington Cartoons and the Rod Pod, lest we forget the Rod Pod. He is a provider of knowledge, Jonathan Schaefer Haynes. Hello, John. Hello, Delvin. Just starting the second month of my new uh, college experience, and it's it's a lot of books. I am reading a lot of books. I mean, I <laughs> even more than just these uh, these Transformers comics, which are all, always great. But mm-hmm. I think I've read. I think Maggie was talking earlier. Said I've read nine books since I started the class. And that's I'm a, so I'm about a third of the way done. Then, good lord! So you have to read twenty seven books. That's for one semester. Uh yes, between two classes. It's. Oof. Well, it's. I, I think I in order to become a librarian, people expect you to have read everything. So basically, <laughs> this is to um, mimic that. Do they still do the Dewey Decimal System in libraries? And why they, isn't that Huey and Louie? 
Uh huh. Yeah, but yeah, what happened to the Huey decimal system? <laughs> that was in the Library of Alexandria, which uh, tragically, as we know, that was burned uh, down. They do use the Dewey decimal system, but there is um, some line. There is talk of abandoning it, abandoning it. Too many syllables on that one. Um, there's a lot of movement in, in different libraries, especially in cities, to kind of to remodel it to make it look more like a bookstore to hmm. help people be able to. You know, people that wouldn't be as familiar with the Dewey Decimal System or even mm-hmm. you know, to be easier to find books. Back in the day, I remember the Dewey Decimal System. The library I had in my elementary school it had a card catalog. Yeah. You know, where <laughs> you could you could find the books and mm-hmm. then you would go and, and check them out. It was a very mm-hmm. organized system. And mm-hmm. I wow, I remember my librarian's name. Her name was Mrs. Bearden. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And you always remember your good teacher. So I, I I just thought about that. It's like my library back in Epic Elementary. What was it? Her name was Mrs. Bearden. So yeah, I, I remember my librarian. That's cool. I remember uh, going to the library in the summertime. Uh, it was about a block away from me. And we would uh, go as kids and they'd have you know, like book club and all that. And yeah. that's where I got to see the Lord of the Rings. Ooh. Got those books. Cool. There was like a, a Lord of the Rings that was like a, a picture one. Oh, the movie! Really oh, cool. the first movie, like the the Bass. What? Kind of like, like that, or something. A mixture like that. of animation yeah. and live action. It was yeah, like yeah, but it was it was cool, and you know that's where I'm like got really into reading books and all that was mm-hmm. because of that. So very cool. Awesome. I well, we continue. <laughs> oh, I spent plenty of time in bookstores too. I mean, yeah. oh my goodness, uh, there was. The irredeemable shack, he just happened to put something up, like he got like a recycled bag and it was from a B Dalton's. And I was like, oh, how much time did I spend in B Dalton's reading comic books and trade paperbacks and all sorts of things? Oh, my goodness. London Square Mall had a B Dalton's. I was very little when that got torn down. Yeah, there were two malls. There used to be two malls in town. One of them had a B Dalton and one had a Walden book. I went to the Walden books all the time when I was a little kid. I mm -hmm. loved Walden books. And then we had a Borders for a while. Which was my second home. And and Well, that one wound up driving all the other ones out. And then Walden Walden books and Borders and B Dalton went out of business. And then Amazon caused... Borders to go out of business and the circle continues. It's yeah. sad. Mm. Support anyway. your used bookstores. Absolutely support your used bookstores. And we shall support to the prettiest person that's on our podcast. Her name is Maggie Shaper Haynes, the greater half of Mary Watching Cartoons. And let's we forget the Rod Pod. Maggie, hello. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm the prettiest. I feel great now. <laughs> that's awesome. The best intro into something I've ever had. <laughs> Why, thank you. No. Do you have anything that you'd like to share with the group? We've talked, we've talked Lone Wolf, we've talked Lord of the Rings, we've talked libraries. <laughs> libraries. Uh, well, I, I did live up to what I said in the last episode, where I didn't take the whole of Friday off for the release of uh, Forbidden or Horizon Forbidden West, but I did take the afternoon off and <laughs> logged over the weekend, probably about 19 hours, I think, into yeah. Horizon Forbidden West. It's, it's, some, it's between 12 and 19 hours. It's what she's been doing. It's, I live on the couch now and with the controller in my hand. The game's gorgeous. It's amazing. I am having a lot of fun with it, and I'm not even, I don't think I'm even halfway through the game quite yet, um, which is great because I want it to last forever. So that while John's been reading and doing book reports 
and learning how to use the Microsoft Office suite, uh, I have been playing my full head off with Horizon Forbidden West. It's been great. Nice. Man, we have a very well-rounded group uh, that are doing very cool and positive things. And with that excellent aura of positivity going on, the purpose of this podcast will be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to the series end at issue 80. We will answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and see how these books we loved as a kid hold up to our cynical adult eyes. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So Pat, John, Maggie, let's talk about Blaster and his not so great day right after this promo. The Transformers will return after these messages. In a world filled with movie-themed podcasts, thousands speak their minds, shouting their opinions into the void. Into this terrifying world of sound and noise, a new podcast about movies dares to raise its head. Appearing on the Longbox Crusade Network, in association with Jeff and Rick Present, it is the era of monthly Monday movie muckabout. Listen as people are challenged to see films that they have missed or failed to see. Hear their new appreciation for films from years past. Experience the discussions of film fans. Is the world ready for monthly Monday movie muckabout? Yes. Yes, it is. And cut. Perfect, Jeff. Great. So when are we going to start this show? Um, just me. This is my new show. I thought we talked about this. Uh, then why am I doing your promo? Because in reality, I'm an egotistical puppet master that uses people for his own profit and fame. Huh. Eh, fair enough. Da-da-da-da, monthly Monday movie muck about, watch a movie with me. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will cover today is Transformers issue number 32. And here is John with the cover description. Grimlock um, leers down at us from the or the corner box in his T-Rex form. Uh, the basic cover itself, the background is a striking yellow. And the Transformers logo is in a bright red, which nicely is offset by it. The more than meets the eye is in black. The main action is brought to us by uh, cover artist Frank Springer, who will join us for a few uh, issues here. Uh, Frank is bringing us a battle between some protector bots and combaticons, although the only ones that I can really make out are Onslaught and Hotspot. Hotspot is in the foreground at a what his legs are rather widely splayed. Below them, legs also widely splayed, uh, is a balding man in a in kind of, he looks like in this one, he's wearing his, his John Travolta cosplay here. And if I didn't know any better, um, Onsl- it looks like Onslaught is, introdu- is interrupting Big Steve, who is explaining to Onslaught how John Travolta did the splits in that one scene in Staying Alive. Um, scattered around the background are a bunch of throttle bots transformed into their earth modes. And that's what we got. Oh, there's also a kind of, I don't know, what color would you call that? Is that, is that a fuchsia or no, a God, puce? It's like mauve. It's like a mauve 
used uh, a mauve banner, which in white lettering says used Autobots. Not exactly what I would call my used car store, but, you know, things were different in the 80s. And that is the cover to Transformers 32. I would have said it was pink. So mauve or puce, I think you said. So, yeah, I I wouldn't put pink too. It was not in the Crayola <laughs> crayon box. I don't no, know. You would, it, so. you would have had to at least buy one of the 32 or 64 pack before you yeah. got whichever version of pink this is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about it, y'all. Um, Pat, what do you think about the cover? Well, you know, this one, yeah, it's all right. I think really what stands out to me is the main Autobot there. I don't even know which guy that is again. That is Hot Shot. Shot. Hot, hot shot? spot. Uh, hot spot. Hot spot. Okay. Hot spot right. leader of the protectobots. Okay. It's hot spot. But I think he looks kind of cool. But the, the rest of it is just kind of like, bleh, you know. And then you just got the yellow background on it. So I like the perception of having the little human standing next to him is very helpful. But yeah, that's about all I got to say. Okay. Let's go to Maggie. Maggie, what do you think of the cover? I'm kind of with Pat on this one. I found it to be a fairly underwhelming cover. The yellow bouncing off the red Transformers does look pretty slick. Um, It really makes the Transformers pop out. And I kind of like that Grimlock hangs out of the the corner box a little bit. Rawr. With those little T-Rex arms. Um, But other than that, it's a cover. It's there. We have two. It's a covers. John, do you have anything else to add? Uh, (laughs) Besides, it's a cover. uh, It's... It, it, this one is solidly okay, I guess, was how I'd put it. I, I'm not like the hugest Frank Springer fan. I think he, he drew my least favorite G.I. Joe, uh, cover, one with a bunch of dreadnoughts. I think it's just his, his use, he uses really thick lines, and which, which quite often just kind of, um, it, it just ruins the picture for me. He's never really my favorite. This one is nothing terrible about it, even though some of the detailing on some of the background Autobots is a little lacking. And uh, I, th- I think famously they actually drew Braun in there. And when Braun isn't there, but that, you know, who knows whose fault that was. I legitimately thought that one of the Autobots in the background was RC for a split second. I did too. And I was like, uh, that yeah. can't possibly it's be right. <laughs> using the, He's got using a different version of the same pink color in the back. Right. Dating one, it looked like RC. It looked just like RC. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not who that is. But, I knew it wasn't. But, but was yeah, that's all I really have to say about that. And as for me, I like Hot Shot. And so looking at a well-drawn Hot Shot makes me like the cover. I'm not worried about the yellow background because there is plenty of other stuff going on besides like the main character of the book is Hot Shot. Uh, and then you've got the human there. So it's accurately depicting what's going on inside the book. Uh, there's Onslaught, too, doing his thing, the leader of Combaticons. But you're right. The person that is over Onslaught's right shoulder looks a lot like Braun. And Braun, not only is he not anywhere in the book, but on the side that he's standing on, it looks like that should be a Decepticon and probably a Combaticon. And neither of the two... Uh, supposed Decepticons look like Combaticons, so I'm not quite sure who those were supposed to be. I, uh, it's like they got the notes that said he was supposed to draw Brawl, who is a Combaticon, and mm, he drew Brawn. Yep, and that's that's probably a very likely scenario because it looks like he did okay with the Protector bots in the background, even though I'm not sure who they're supposed to be. And then looking again at the cover, you can see 
that look he was drawing. There's Bumblebee sitting there uh, in throttle bot form and looks like the other throttle bots are there kind of, which also is an accurate depiction of what happened in the book. So I think it's a good cover. Great, maybe not, but good. Yeah, I think it's good. And with that, we can rate the book here on Transformers Chronicles. We rate things on a scale of one to 10, like the tech specs of old. One being the lowest, 10 being the highest, John being the first person to give a rating for the cover. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a six. There's nothing terrible about it, but uh, I don't like it as much as covers that I've given it seven or more. Okay. And since you've got that hot mic, pass it to Maggie. And Maggie's going to give her number. I think six is a fair assessment of that cover. I, that's what I was going to go for, too. I think six is appropriate. Okay. Pat, what do you got? I'm going to go one lower with a five. It meets what it needs to do. Okay. All right. You're right at that average level, and I'm going to go one above. I'm going to give it a seven. I, I don't think it's a bad cover. I think the main draw of it being hot spot, I want to say hot shot, but hot spot was well done. And even though there were a couple of er- errors on the cover, possibly due to just a bad uh, notation, it still isn't a bad cover to me. So it'll land at a seven. Not the greatest, but not bad either. <laughs> Here is Pat with the cover credits for the issue. This is Transformers number 32. Its on-sale date was June 16th, 1987. Cover date was September 1987. Cover price was $1. Story goes to Bob Budiansky. Pencils is Don Perlin. Inks. Inks go to Ian Aiken. Brian Garvey. Colors is Nelson Yamtov. Letters is Pat Brousseau. Editor is Don Daly, and cover credits go to Frank Springer. This is all thank you to Mike's Amazing World and TFWiki.net. Back to you, Delvin. Appreciate it, Pat. Let's get to the synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the Transformers. Transformers, more than meets the eye. From Marvel Comics. The title of this issue was Used Autobots. Normally I say like, Used Autobots, but they didn't have an exclamation point in the book. So I just said, Used Autobots to denote lack of exclamation point. Anyway, it's not a good day to be Blaster. Trust me. Ever since Goldbug, Blaster, and the Throttlebots escaped the Scraplet's Plague in Arizona, the Decepticons have been in hot pursuit like Roscoe P. Coltrane. A scuffle on a bridge with the Combaticon Vortex ensues. Then when they try to get fuel at a Blackrock station, they get ambushed by Rat, the rapid anti-robot assault team. Remember them? Meanwhile, Grimlock, leader of the Autobots, remember that? Gets intel on where Goldbug and Blaster are because they were supposed to be doing a mission from Grimlock and never came back. Remember that? Grimlock dispatches the Protectobots to retrieve them back to Blaster and crew. They decide to lay low and unbeknownst to them, choose a used car lock. Also unbeknownst to them, Rad has put out a notification on them, which the owner of the used car lock, Big Steve, finds out about and throws a ton of sugar into all the thr- all of the Throttlebots' tanks, rendering them immobile. Rat comes to retrieve them. 
Then the Combaticons show up. Then the Protectobots show up and we have a showdown. In the end, the Combaticons retreat, the Throttlebots are captured by Rat, and Blaster finds out why the Protectobots were really there to take him back to the Ark to face trial and execution for desertion. I told you, trust me, not a good day for Blaster. So let's talk about the book. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something from the book, starting with not limited to goods, bads, and everyone discusses. Maggie, what do you have for the book? I was hoping you were going to pick me first. Um, One of the things I liked best about this book was, in this essay, we shall explore, um, when the guy showed up to buy the car with his wife and infant child, uh, I like that he referred to him as Mr. Big Steve. I just thought that that was really funny. He's like, I don't, I'm not so sure. Something like that, Mr. Big Steve. <laughs> like, that's not. Just, look, just because your name is Mr. District Attorney. It's kind of one of those things. Just because your mom named you Big Steve Big doesn't Steve, mean you yeah. have to go into selling used cars. Mr. Big Steve. Just thought it was funny. I don't know. I mean, it's either that or porn star. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. You got one of- oh, great. <laughs> I don't know why that was my reaction, but just I don't know, the juxtaposition of that with Transformers wholesomeness. Is, it's know, a good thing we didn't have to. Jarring. It's a good thing we don't transcribe. I don't know how you would. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I apologize, Maggie. That's a part of my cynical adult eyes talking. I just startled the hell out. I did not expect <laughs> you to say that. John, what do you have? You got a high, low? Yeah, well, it's just. Staying on Big Steve, it's like Bob Budiansky called up Central Casting and said, we need a used car salesman because this guy is all in on the used car salesman. He has got the demeanor down. He's got his shady tactics down. And, man, I have never met anybody in any fiction, I think, who is more concerned with the bottom line than this person. In the middle of a frantic fight between giant robots in his used car lot, his first thought is, oh, man, I'm never going to get that $50,000 now. <laughs> or, or 300, 300, 300 grand. grand. That's yeah. th- In 1986 money, that's a lot. It's a lot of money now. It is a lot. God, I would buy my own island. I, I would not. I would not turn away three hundred thousand. No, 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 I'm not. I'm, I'm like, no, I, I demand that you up that to the seven hundred and seventy some thousand dollars that that would be worth today. Yeah, but a lot of big Steve. Oh, I, I, but I mean, big Steve. It's great. It's like suddenly mysterious cars appear in his lot, and his first and only thought is, "Yay, free cars!" He doesn't really question where they come from. He just is like, "Hey, I get to sell these yeah. now." Especially after seconds ago having a, "Yeah, we need you to keep an eye out for these cars." Yeah, yeah, go away. I got some people to screw over here. It's free cars. That's that's. I mean, you got it. I'll give him credit. I mean, if you're gonna have one note, you better sing that one note clearly and distinctly at all times. Big Steve did that. He did that. He's, he, you're waiting in the wings patiently. Do you have more to add on Big Steve, or do you have some other direction you want to take us into? No, I think you guys hit Big Steve on the nail there. He is definitely a car salesman from the 80s, definitely. Way back, man. Believe me, I know because uh, when I was younger in the 80s, my job was to wash cars at a car lot. So Ooh. knew a lot of salesmen. So I, there was a few that were like that out there. So it brought back really some bad memories. But anyway, the rest of this. Sorry, sto- Pat. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> the rest of this story, I'm kind of torn between last issue and this issue. 
And I can see that there's some character movement here with what's going on with Blaster and Goldbug that's happening there and everything else. So it's it's like these last two are just kind of been, we're kind of moving somewhere stories, but kind of filler too. Okay. I don't know. I, I, that's where I'm stuck in the middle with at these right now. I guess I can't explain it that much. You seem a little bit conflicted about it. Is there anything we yeah. can help you with? Is there more to this story down the road? I guess. Do we see Big Steve anymore? No. We're going to see Rat. I would assume we see more Rat. This is Big Steve's first and only hurrah. So. Okay. But in answer to your question, I would say just doing that thing I do where I kind of do a mm-hmm. things that you might want to look out for. You know, okay. Dark web, dark webs notes, you know, okay. also Cliff's notes. Uh, let's see. I mean, they did int- reintroduce Rat. They want you to know Rat's still around, so yeah. that's kind of interesting. Uh, we yeah, hadn't seen Grimlock. Him. Hadn't seen Grimlock in a little bit. Uh, and he's got and a crown Grim- on. Yep, that's yep, funny. Grim- Grimlock's got that crown. He was looking for it last time. He found it, so he's walking around with the crown on, and nobody seems to like him too much. Um, so there's that. There is, I mean... A couple of issues ago, Goldbug and Blaster were sent out on a mission to get the mechanic, I think. They didn't get them. They completely did not go back to Autobot headquarters. And so Grimlock sent the Protectobots to get them once he found them. And it looks like Blaster is going to get tried, you know, put on a trial and potentially executed. I mean, so there's that. There's a that's a part of the storyline, too. And now you also have the Protectobots that are captured by Rat and taken to God knows where. So I'd say you have a few storylines. And if we're talking last issue two, while we're not going to see any more car washes of doom, <laughs> we are going to see more of Rat Bat. And we kind of see yeah. the nefariousness that Rat Bat has going on too. So if I were to sum all of that up, you know, I would say that, yes, it is building towards something. And this is something that Bob has proven to um, he's proven that he has a good track record with it so far. He's introducing certain elements. He's establishing what those elements are. And it's going to build towards something. And right now, at least I'm not quite sure what that picture is going to be, but we do have a few pieces lying around. That looks like it's forming into something. You think that's decent, John? That's a decent summary? Uh, Yeah, I'd go with that. I I am with Pat in the fact of that it does feel a little bit like it's taking too long to get to it. But, you know, there's always going to have to be these filler ones like this. And and this is kind of – sorry, Pat. This this one's kind of the beginning of a two-parter. There's another one involving Blaster and the Protector Bots and the the Combaticons, which is the next – technically or the next story one the next two issues are reprints from the marvel uk ones feels a little it's it's hard to really say much about this one because you know Mm -hmm. things happen you know big steve is kind of an interesting person but it's just i guess kind of following the absolute zaniness of last issue this one doesn't quite measure up for me on that you know maybe if there had been a removal from it it would have been received a little differently but i think that's where i'm coming i think that's where you know, Pat was going with it too. Yeah. It just wasn't that crazy of one. 
where it's like, okay, this will, that one was a fun one. And I, I enjoyed that one. This one's kind of just like, eh, it's okay. You know, I've kind of seen this before, you, you know, human gets in the way, yada, yada, yada. He's always out for himself or whatever. And oh. and that's about it. But it did, it did feel like it was kind of retreading the, the Finkelberg notes. That's his name. From yeah. you know, earlier. The guy it, who sold him out for money and then felt bad about it and donated the money. Robot master. Yes. Yep. Robot master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one definitely felt a lot more linear, especially coming off of car wash of doom, which is so wacky. and was so much fun. This one seemed almost like bookkeeping, you know, like it, it's definitely an issue to get you to the next mm-hmm. story part, which is fine. It has to happen. Exactly. You know, I just, don't happen to have a whole heck of a lot to say about it, but I am interested to see what happens next with the captured Autobots and Blaster's trial and execution. I'm kind of like, why even bother with the trial then if you're just going to execute him? Um, but his, you know, what ha- what's going to happen to him when he gets back to the Ark and how much trouble he's going to be in. So I, I want to know what happens next. This issue is there to get you to that point. I'm very interested in all of your takes um, in that, you embrace the wackiness and zaniness of Car Wash and Doom. And do you think that, let's assume that you guys have an average opinion at best on this book. What could have been done to make it better? I'll pass that question around. Let's let's start with our with our expert. John, if assuming if my assumption is that you guys think this was an average book, what what could have been done to make it better? Hmm. I don't know if if the question if that question is that easy to answer, just because this one really is just a getting from point A to point B, which is necessary for the story, as Matt as Maggie was saying. Yeah, and it does that okay. It's just I'm not all that interested, you know, in the checking off of the boxes. So I I really don't think it. it I mean, if it is, I'm spoiler and I'm going to give it an average, you know, mm-hmm. average thing on this. But it isn't anybody's fault. It's just sometimes you got to eat the filler. It's right. It's not like it's lacking in quality. Mm-hmm. They could have maybe put in like uh, some kind of a reveal of some sort or just a a little tidbit of something else mm-hmm. to to chew on, I guess. But it serves its purpose perfectly fine. And the art throughout the book is quite good. I thought I enjoyed the art. I enjoyed the art quite a lot. And I thought Blaster was really good in this book, um, especially considering he's apparently in very deep trouble. Um, so yeah, I, I think it did. I think it did its job just fine. Okay, Pat, do you have any thoughts on that? Is there anything that you felt that you wanted to see that maybe could have made the book better? I think they could have removed some of the human elephant, the the human element of it a little bit, and just focused on the Autobots, Decepticons. They could keep the rat. I really like that aspect of it, of that rat still around and still trying to get them. Yeah, yeah. I like but to have them, them go. Oh, and but to have them sit there and go, let's listen to a car salesman. You, you big freaking robots! You, you don't need to fight each second, other. I did like that for the <laughs> second time in just a little over a year. We had a human that almost got them to agree to not fight. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, with his auction idea or whatever. And they were like, "Yeah, yeah. I'm down." <laughs> I was surprised by that. I'm like, "Why would they even care?" They would and, just and it, each other. Well, up. it was so you could see Swindle ready to, you know, oh, screw yeah. him over. Yeah, I, I just didn't. You know, it's like, really? You're gonna do? You're gonna let this guy tell you what to do? You just met him. But then and, they didn't. <laughs> That's uh, true. But then they didn't. 
They were good. Yeah, that did not last long. It, it no, looked like they but, were going to, but it, it, it did not last long, that's for sure. But I, I think yeah. a little bit more of the uh, that aspect of the Autobots and Decepticons. Maybe, I, Well, they did fight a little bit, and that was good. But it's just seen they could have done away with the human side of it, except for Ray. Hmm. Okay. I did like, oh, sorry to cut you off. I did want to point this out before I forget. There's one bit I really did like, and it's that panel on, I don't know the content page. It's it's right before the fighting starts where Blaster looks out and sees, sees that Swindle's about to shoot him in the back and then um, transforms and jumps out of the window and grabs mm-hmm. the gun off the back. Yep. That's pretty cool. That would... I could see that done in a movie. That would that would look really really well done just to see him, even even Michael Bay style, you know, to see Very him cinematic, up and just yeah. spin out in that way uh-huh. and just grow and jump out. Like, cool. Yeah, again, the art in this was the artwork was yeah, bad agree. At all. definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. definitely agree. The artwork was was good in this. Yeah, once again, I in in my head, I, I had a different artist drawing the book at this point. Don Perlin's still on the book, and Don Perlin is still doing a very good job of drawing Transformers. He's coming to his own, and I have a newfound respect for him. Uh, as far as the story itself, I personally, I thought that the action the entire time was was pretty good pace. It was like they just could not avoid running into trouble, either via Decepticon or Rat, and it all just came together in, like, a, in what I thought was a pretty decent fight where you had a group of two groups of people who fought before that being the Protectobots and the Combaticons, even though they fought more in a virtual simulation back in issue 24, but they did fight. They have a history that's in the comic books and we got to see them fight again. So I thought there was a decent amount of action and I thought it was a pretty good venue uh, to go around as well, especially when you had the Autobots trying to be relatively peaceful and not wanting to destroy property, but needing to have gasoline and fuel to go on and then wind up getting caught in the middle of a a big old mess. Um, But it seems like I'm somewhat in a minority. I didn't see this as much as filler. It's just a continuation of a story arc that we haven't fully gotten the pieces to yet. Like I consider filler a lot of times to be that, you know, you'll have a story and like maybe a plot point or something advances the action for that big storyline that's coming up. But the rest of it was like, eh, in this case, I mean, you've got they're continuing the saga of Goldbug and Blaster, who now have the protector bots along with not excuse me, the uh, throttle bots along with them and their continued misadventures. That's that's the way I see it. I didn't see it as much yeah. as fillers, you guys. You, Go ahead, Matt. you know. You bring you bring up a good point because I guess I'm really looking for if you're going to kind of tell a story like that and, and layer your bits and your pieces together uh, as you're telling it. I guess I, I look to us on Crusader Chronicles with Spider-Man where you get that one page of something happens in a, in a, with another character or they're they're laying the groundwork for the other story arcs to come and to come. That's done in a really good way. It makes you hungry for more where this one, it's like the way it was put together. I don't, I don't get that feeling. And I think you, you probably understand it more because you know, what's coming. I don't know what's coming, but yet I'm like, eh, do I remember what happened before? It's like, eh, maybe, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. <laughs> Just like you said in your synopsis, do you remember? I'm like, yeah, maybe I might remember him or no, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. 
John's read these before. Maggie, you haven't. Do you agree with Pat or do you have a slightly different opinion on that? Well, I know. I think I, I do agree with Pat. I think when you don't know the projection of the, the whole story arc, it's hard to decipher what is filler and what isn't because you don't have, yeah. I agree with both of you, because you don't have all the story yet. You know, it's kind of like fair. in a trilogy, a lot of people tend to criticize the second, you know, book or movie, but that's often because you don't know what's going to happen in the third part yet. You know, so it, it's kind of something like that where, because I don't know what this is leading up to, it it seemed to me like just a vehicle to move it forward into the next part of the story or to, to the next story that's going to happen. Um, but, I mean, art's an open to interpretation. It absolutely is, which is, of course, why I asked you. But I do want to see what John thinks, uh, because I know that he's read this before. Uh, I, 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 understand, I do understand Maggie and Pat's perspective on it. I just want to hear yours, John. Uh, I did read this one before. This actually, as a kid, I didn't like it all that much, I think, but mostly because of expectations and all of that thing. This this was the last book that I, the last of the Transformers issues that I collected monthly for a while. I think it was like six or seven months later before I finally started to do it again. And at that time, reading it, I, de- I did feel, this did feel very samey. I had already stopped, you know, kind of dropped off here and there, but it just felt like it wasn't getting there when I was reading this one month at a time, you know, like we're doing. And uh, there was a lot about it. I didn't, I I didn't like the choices that the entire toy line was making. And it just, uh, it was enough to make me um, put it aside. I think, I think it's perfectly fine. And maybe my use of the word filler is, is incorrect in that, in that, yeah, there is plenty of stuff that is set up for later. Mm -hmm. It's just, how the execution of that felt to me reading it. It just didn't feel, and it's hard to put my finger on why, but it's not terrible. It just is kind of just there. Is yeah. how mm-hmm. all of it goes with me. Nope. Yeah. Feeling the okay. same way. Okay. Is there anything else that anyone wants to add? It feels like we've come to a conclusion, but I could be wrong. I'm good. I like the, I like the fun they were having with Grimlock. That was kind of fun to see the fun. Go on. <laughs> you know, just the, the fun, you know, I, you know, they're really kind of, I'm going to say, you know, dumbing him down yeah. and then they're oh, making goodness. people around him, you know, say the same, you know, say that about him too. So, you know, that's the Grimlock I know from the cartoons. I uh, doesn't seem like anybody really likes Grimlock right now. It doesn't seem that way. No, no it, it may. Didn't take long to go from Hail no. Grimlock, leader of the Autobots, to this guy sucks. <laughs> yeah. I kept thinking back, the, I'm like, man, how did this guy get to be the leader? Yeah. Heat of the moment decision. Yeah. Like, they, what do they call that? A, a battlefield promotion? A battlefield promotion. That well, is you that's take out absolutely Trypticon. what they call it. Yeah. You take out Trypticon, you're like, sure, you can be the leader, dude. You know? <laughs> I do love Grimlock, I mean, but he's a bad leader in this. He doesn't seem to be the greatest. He really seems to be on and on about himself, which is never a good trait of a leader. But yeah, it wasn't that long ago, Pat, just five issues ago that Grimlock was Mm -hmm. crowned, uh, no pun intended, Mm -hmm. king of the Autobots or leader of the Autobots. And he seems to be taking that responsibility or at least the adulation and all that. He seems to be taking that to heart, but doesn't really seem to be much of a leader. At least at this point, maybe he changes his stripes. Maybe he doesn't. But right now, and then 
he went out and got Goldbug and Blaster, and yes, they did disobey his orders, but it looks like he's going to execute Blaster, and that's a pretty extreme thing, you know, Yeah, not yeah. being alive. It's pretty extreme, so yeah. Okay. So stick a pin in it. We'll probably get back to it in a little bit. Now's the time for us to talk about who had the touch, where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, Autobot, Decepticon, or human. John, who had the touch? I will give it to Blaster. Blaster is pretty much the man throughout the entire thing. He's thinking quick on his feet, even when on his feet mean to be on top of other robots that it looked like cars. Was he the one that they were telling to get a pedicure? Yeah, that was. Yeah. <laughs> was Blaster? Okay. That was funny. Uh, but making the decision, you know, even to stop, you know, Big Steve from being executed, even though he personally didn't like Big Steve, but he's learning very quickly that humans are there to be protected. And he's developing all of these characteristics, which one would say are those of a leader, you might. So you wonder how this is going to pan itself out. I was thinking the same thing while I was reading this, yeah. What were you thinking, Maggie? Oh, about Blaster um, showing more like leadership kind of skills. They're, they're kind of starting to show him going through his art because he was super grumpy pants before. Now he's a little mm -hmm. more evened out, but he's, mm -hmm. he's getting his priorities in order, which is cool. Mm -mm. Gotcha. Okay. Pat, who had to touch? I'm going to give it to Blaster, too, just what everybody else said. Um, I definitely noticed in this issue his change and his uh, perspective towards humans and their life. I thought it was really cool. Okay. Okay. So noted. Maggie, who had to touch? I'm going to give it to Blaster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but for a very specific reason, I'm going to give it to Blaster because he saved that rat soldier from the burning rat tank. Um, and he certainly didn't have to. He actually, I think, did it at the expense of saving somebody else. And um, the rat guys don't like any of the robots. Like they, they don't like Autobots or Decepticons. They don't care. They just don't want robots on the planet. And he saved one of them anyways. And I, I liked that moment. I thought that was cool. I also happen to like the art. Um, so, yeah, Blaster for sure. Yep. He tried to save Rat while Rat just tried to take them out anyway. I mean, another way of saying that is that cycle goes round and round. Round, round yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to find a way to work that in. Just give it time. <laughs> there no I knew it was coming up sometime around. I, I just didn't want to be the one. I'll tell you why. No, 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 no. It had to come up at one point. Uh, let's make it four for four. I don't think there's a better choice than Blaster. And then to use a line that Goldbug said, because one of the Throttlebots, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the Throttlebots uh, were like, dude, he could have saved us. And said he chose to save that human. And Goldbug kind of says, well, I'd be surprised if he didn't. And that's like, oh, oh, oh I like that. That's 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 some good stuff right there. Like, you know, he, he knew his job was, of course, to try and get healthy fuel back to his friends. But he saw that there was a human life in danger and he went out of his way to protect that human life, even though that wasn't even the best of human lives to protect. He still went out of his way. If we had to talk about who had to touch, then someone had to be out of touch. We talked about the character that was the worst in the book, and they should watch a six-figure check disintegrated right in front of their eyes in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye. Pat, who was Less Than Meets the Eye to you? 
Well, I'm going to give it to Big Steve, the way he was. Uh, sneaky, sneaky salesman. And uh, he got his comeuppance at the end, tried to do all that. And, you know, you don't deserve that money. You don't, and even though they totally trashed your place, that's on you, dude. You know, when Blaster did that, I was kind of like, I mean, I, I got it. I 100% got it. But Blaster's like, dude, you absolutely sold us out. Yeah, he watched it all happen. Profit cool. from it. Yeah, you you sold us out. You created all this, so deal with it. We're I'm, I'm not letting you have that money. I'm not let, letting you have that check. Um, if I I'm going to go with the less than me CI here, and I'm going to go, and I think I did this back in issue 24 too. I'm going to go with the Combaticons. Like I'm just saying, like if combat is in your name, then maybe <laughs> here's a crazy idea, right? Maybe you should be good at combat. (laughs) (laughs) They stay taking L's. Like, oh my goodness. Vortex got shuttled off, like blasted by Blaster's Electron Scrambler. And then, like, they got all together in a big fight and still took one big fat loss. Like, man, y'all suck. (laughs) Y'all are not good at fighting. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Combaticons there. Um, Maggie. Uh, who would you say was less than meets the eye? I'm going to give less than meets the eye to Grimlock this time, even though I love him. But I'm going to give less than meets the eye to Grimlock because he is in the arc with Wheeljack. And Wheeljack's like the thermo generator or whatever thing, whatever it was called, is ready. And he's like, the hell's that? And Wheeljack's like the thing I've been spending all my time on for months now. <laughs> the really, really important thing that will allow us to create yeah. our own Energon cubes, that thing. It's the ice cube maker I'm making. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's an ice cube tray. I invented this. Um, yeah, so definitely Grimlock. Because then Grimlock's response is whatever Grimlock wants, he takes. Which is a very grimy response, but it's not the correct one. So <laughs> I give it to Grimlock. John? Uh, I'm going to give it to the throttle bots um, exemplified by Chase, the red one. The red one. He was one of the two who um, were acting as Blaster's little impromptu roller skates. And he was clearly not having a very good time of it and constantly complaining about Blaster not polishing his feet and all of that stuff. And then once he got through all of that stuff, he promptly got um, his gas tank filled full of uh, soda and he went non-functional and... um, no spoilers, but the Thrallbots as a whole are not going to have a very good time of it over the next few appearances. I will just tell you that. Mm. All that soda. They got to go to the dentist. It's the dentist of doom. <laughs> We're probably not going to be going with anything of doom in the future issues, I don't think. Mm. Even though, yeah. I mean, that, that could just be a spinoff that Transformers could have done. It could have been some occupation of doom. And the Transformers would have to find a way to fight them. You see, I, I should have been around writing in the 80s. I could have just had a million-dollar idea there. <laughs> just you get that time now machine going, Delvin. Get that time machine going. I, I'm, I, I, will, I will start working on it. Maybe if we get enough um, Patreon funds that I can allocate <laughs> a few towards that time machine. There you go. Now is the time for overall ratings for the book. To recap for the audience, we will honor the old tech specs that came with every Transformers toy and give a rating of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, to describe how we felt about this issue. I read that right off the script, hadn't done that in a while. Pat, 1 to 10, what would you rate Transformers, issue 32? Well, 
I think with the help that you and John have given and kind of describing more of where the stories that are happening in here are, are going to be in the future, I'm going to give this a six. I was a little lower, but I think you helped me kind of see what's kind of happening in here. Still a little lost. Uh, like John said, I feel a little lost on the overall stuff, but with your guys' help, you bumped me up to a six. It's okay to be lost. We are your Sherpa. We will make sure you are found. John, 1 to 10, what would you rate? Transformers 32. I'm with Pat. I'm going to give it a 6 for the same reason. It was solidly okay. I wouldn't even call it average. I would say it's a little better than average. It did what it needed to do in the way that it needed to do. I'm going to go one higher. I'm giving it a 7. I was thinking about it on the ride home. I was like, what do I want to rate this? And 7 was the number that came up. But I feel okay about that. And Maggie, she feels okay with. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to give it a 7. Because like assuming that a 5 is like very average, right? And something would have to mm-hmm. be pretty craptacular to get below a 5. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a 7. That gets two points for... Really, I did like the art quite a bit throughout the book. And because... It does its job. Like John, it's, it, it does its job well. It does exactly what it needs to do. It tells a good story. It's still entertaining enough. Um, so I, I give it a solid seven. I feel like that is also an appropriate number. Nice. If I'm not mistaken, we are all sixes and sevens when it comes to this mm-hmm. book. That's not bad. Not bad at all. It's time for John's segment of the show, Transformer Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer that was featured in today's issue. All yours, John. Okay. Today we are going to do Onslaught because I think he looks cool. Uh, Here are his tech specs, courtesy of Anthony and TFU.info. His allegiance is Decepticon. His subgroup is Combaticon. His function is Combaticon, leader. His motto is, the mind is the greatest weapon. You know, and with Delvin's um, giving him of less, or giving him and the rest of them less than meets the eye, it's really funny with how he's supposed to be as opposed to how he's depicted here uh, believes the key to a mission success lies in the perfection of its planning prefers devising sinister schemes to actual combat, but a relentless furious fighter when stirred into action as a missile trailer onslaught is capable of launching 6,500 mile range photon missiles, each equipped to 3000 tons of TNT. Um, for comparison, Little Boy, the uh, nuclear bomb which was dropped on Hiroshima, had the equivalent a payload of the equivalent of fifteen hundred tons of TNT. So he's got four Hiroshimas wow. on his back, basically. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! But don't worry, the accuracy of the missiles is hampered by electromagnetic interference. So you might get shot by accident when he's trying to hit like Braun or something. Uh, uses powerful sonic stun gun in robot mode and joins with fellow Combaticons to form robot Bruticus. His strength is eight. His intelligence is eight. His speed is three. His endurance is seven. His rank is seven. Courage is eight. Firepower is eight. And skill is nine. Yeah, I guess four nukes is only a firepower of eight here. So um, Onslaught was one of the four Scramble, Center, um, Scramble City Combiner Commanders, along with Motormaster, Silverbolt, and Hotspot. Uh, these were the last of the original Diaclone line and marked the end of the direct partnership 
relationship with the company. Uh, some people refer to these as the last good ones of the original line. I wouldn't personally go that far, but there is some truth to this. The Diaclone line was designed with its own story ideas and internal logic, which gave a good solid base to design the Transformer versions of. After this, they were starting from scratch and we'll see how that goes um, in the, a lot of the months going forward. Uh, regardless of that, the Scramble City Combiners were among the best in the entire line, and Onslaught was the best-looking of the Commander toys. Uh, he transforms into a green and black trailer uh, trailer truck, not based on any real military vehicle. It looks much more like something G.I. Joe would use. Um, it's a modified 18-wheeler with a missiles on the back of it, basically. Um, Onslaught mounts a huge double-barreled cannon in the front end of his trailer, and these cannons can be elevated or mounted, pointing to the rear of the vehicle on the toy. This is usually done in his ramp mode, which separates the long rear truck halves to attach to the silver ramp. Uh, he includes a small chest plate specifically for use in his robot mode and can wield his huge rifle in robot mode. That's Bruticus's huge rifle then. Uh, he transforms into the torso of Bruticus by pressing his arms against his body, pivoting his thighs outward and rotating his cab arms back. Like you do. Like you do. Uh, he then wears the Bruticus head over his and the large wing chest plate covers the entire front of his body. Uh, he doesn't really do much more in this Marvel continuity except look cool, alas. As you said, he's mostly there to, you know, uh, job to some much cooler Autobot. Uh, he pops up here and there in the background because people really do like to draw him. Uh, in the G1 cartoon, Onslaught and the other Combaticons are created by Starscream um, out of wrecked World War II two vehicles. Keep that in mind that... Keep that in mind when you're thinking of Blastoff. A Combaticon turns into a space shuttle. <laughs> you know... Famous in World famous War Famous in World War II. <laughs> And while you ponder that, uh, that was Onslaught. Thanks again to TFU.info as well as TFWiki.net and Transformerland.com for all of the info I was able to cop together. They're all great sites, and you should check them out. Back to you, Delvin. I had Onslaught as a kid. That was one of I actually had him, and I did think he was pretty dang cool. <laughs> He's a really cool-looking toy. He was. Did you want him because of the comic, or was it just one that you'd gotten I think it was just cool. one I I think it was just one I got, one of those either birthday or Christmas presents that okay. I got. Uh and so I wound up getting that one. I got Brawl and my cousin had Swindle. So we had three fifths of a combiner. <laughs> 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 we were almost living a high life there. One of these days, I'm gonna have to just drop the coin. I've I've looked at a few of the combiners. Like I think um, Predaking. I've looked at Predaking, and mm. I, I had my eye on it ever since we we covered Predaking a few issues back when Megatron fought him, and I just didn't pull the trigger on it. But I'm gonna have to because having a Predaking in my house would be really, really cool. And <laughs> Bruticus was... wouldn't be too far behind. Bruticus is a pretty cool one too. I like Bruticus. I always like the way Bruticus looked in uh, Superion, were my two favorites mm -hmm. of the original, the Scramble City ones. Yeah, I think it'd be cool yeah. to have. Like all the different, you know, the the combining, all the ones that combine together. That'd be a cool set to have. There's a guy on um, Twitter, Sixo, X-I-X-O, and he is just a big time Transformers nut and has all these variations and stuff of toys. Let's see, he is a very cool follow. 
Mm-hmm. And he has like a lot of combiners and separate and stuff like that. So if you ever want to look at him and just marvel, yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> All right. We will now go to a podcast break. The Transformers will return after these messages. Hey, Mike, have you heard about my new podcast? Oh, what's that? Oh, it's where you talk to people on your computer and then put it out on the internet. Yeah, yes, I know what a podcast is, Paul, but, but what's the show you're doing? Yeah, I'm going to talk to people on my computer and then put it out on the internet. And, and uh, what's this called? Uh, since it's a chat show and I really want to talk to interesting people about interesting things, I thought I'd call it something that was you know, self-explanatory, like Dial F for Flanger. Right. Dial F for Flanger. Cool. I, I look forward to my guest spot. When are you going to have me on? Uh, um, yeah, uh, uh, I'll get back. Wow. Well, if you'd like to hear Paul chatting away on this Dial F for Flanger show, you can find it on the Waiting for Doom Network. We now return to the Transformers. Now it's time for Transmissions, where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you sitting over there in the corner shyly, I am saying thank you to you also. We are covering Transformers Chronicles, the Marvel Years episode 29, where we covered issue 29. And we will start off with Aaron Head Moss and Helica Fetty Wolf. Antonio Silva. Austin Kaikendall. Ben Ferrari. Ferrari, like the car. Ferrari. Oh, like the car. Ben Ferrari. Vroom. Bruce Robinson. Chris. Chris. I'm sorry. That's I'm sorry. I talked over you because I thought it was mine and I was excited. Go ahead, Maggie. Say it again. Oh, Chris at BTO and Bet Books. You ain't seen nothing yet. Let away. Christopher Willett. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Pat. Clinton Robinson. Comic Reflections. Dan Faust. Daniel McConkey. Derek William Crabb. Ed Moore. Urbe Turhan. Franco Oliveira. Funniest Frontier Podcast. At Dex Lower. Is that right? I'm assuming the follows you was a message. Yeah. I have no idea. Smiley face, peace sign. Okay. Or live long and prosper. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Minge. Jerry Green. Gianfranco Guarioni. Guarinoni. Hollow Cage. Jason Albrecht. Jeremy Spaulding. Uh, John M. Wilson at John Reed's Comics. Capusha Antonio. Manuel Kenyette Mendoza. Mauricio Cafiero. Cafiero. Yeah. Cafiero. Cafiero, okay. Mauricio Cafiero. Max Reed's Comics. New Warriors Talk. Nick Rotkamp. Pablo D. Medellin. Philip O. Rick Heineken. Simone Parks. The Hammer Strikes. And random geeky stuff. Bernard Jeffries. Warlord Worlds. And last but not least, eh, we don't have to say Weasel Skull. We already got Jason. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so we'll end with Warlord Worlds. And all right, and we also have a few Twitter comments. I'll take the longest one because I like to hear myself talk. We have <laughs> Herbert Fung. And Herbert says, I was just listening to this episode again today and was at the part where you guys were discussing the difference between Bumblebee and Goldbug. Tech 
Oh, dry tongs are. Technically, the vehicle mode should be the same, just where the panels are split for his transformation is different. The color scheme is different because Goldbug has a shiny golden finish. Ironically, the G2 issue of Bumblebee's original mold had a gold chrome finish. The difference in Bumblebee and Goldbug toys in vehicle mode is pretty stark. Bumblebee had weird proportions for his car mode, whereas Goldbug's vehicle mode resembled a VW bug much more accurately. The thing most people don't seem to mention is that Goldbug's head sculpt and animated comics head shape is based off the original G1 Bumblebee's toy. Even the first issues of Marvel Transformers had Bumblebee's toy sculpt, but it was changed shortly after to reflect the cartoon's character model. This kind of happened with Megatron as well. Early issues had Megatron have a different look to his head, but that didn't even look like the toy head either. It was even used in animated segments of the earliest toy commercials. Herbert's always coming with the knowledge, and they're always good comments to read, so I wanted to take that one. That's super big knowledge right there. Big knowledge. I'll take one from uh, Christopher Aulette, and he says, I was always impressed with the view into his mouth on that cover. I thought so, too. I thought it was a really cool-looking cover. About it. John. So I got one from the Hammer Strikes. Random geeky stuff says, I'm confused. Is there any conflict in this issue? I couldn't tell from the synopsis. There's a little conflict. I think yes. he was <laughs> being sarcastic and that he yeah, knew that there was conflict because it was a very good synopsis, Delvin, I remember. Thank you. I appreciate that. Maggie, what, what else do we got? The last, woo, the last one, also from Herbert Fung. I think from the entire Marvel Transformers run, my favorite stories involved the Blaster Goldbug team-up. Those stories stood out the most for me, even more than any of the Optimus Prime-related stories. I have both of their original figures, too. Even with their dramatic size difference, I usually have them posed together on my shelf, <laughs> which is where they should be so that they can be friends. Budiansky has said a lot of times that Blaster was, one, if not his favorite, one of his favorites, and it really does show through this run. He really puts a lot of work into Blaster, I think. And Blaster and Goldbug are fun, fun team-up. I would have probably read a year's worth of comics of those two running around. Yeah, it's um, safe to say at an affectation form, and it's also safe to say that we will definitely see Blaster a little bit more as the issues go on. That is a very easy statement to make. If we happen to miss anyone, we do apologize. It certainly is a good problem to have, but we don't want to forget about you. So ping us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We will correct it the next issue. And that's the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 33, where the fate of Blast... Oh, oh, wait, no. Actually, that's not the case, is it? No. Uh, they took a break in Transformers lore, and issues 33 and 34 cover the Man of Iron, which was from the Marvel UK version. They reprinted them, and they put them in the American version. So we have to talk about that. So this storyline is going to go on pause. And we're going to hit play on some Marvel UK. If you'd like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon. Just look for Longbox Crusade. You will find us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Plays, and most podcasters to include Spotify. We have a YouTube channel. Please subscribe. There's a lot of stuff going on there. We've got to do it live stream once a month, uh, every second Sunday, uh, where most of the Longbox Crusade crew 
uh, usually dwells. We have Come Out to Play, a New Warriors podcast that I host every second Tuesday of the month at 7 p.m. Eastern. We're starting to put podcast content on YouTube as well. Uh, because we want to give you as many opportunities as you can to listen to Longbox Crusade goodness. Please come check us out. And there is even a voicemail. You can leave us a voicemail comment on 707-532-5269. That is 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate that. I knew you would have my back. Hi, guys. This is Jason Keene calling from St. Augustine, Florida. Yeah, I exist. I'm not actually, you know, that other guy. So um, I just want to call in and thank you guys for all the podcasts. I'm really enjoying the Transformers and on Her Majesty's Secret Service and the Longbox Crusade. It's a lot of fun reading the comics with you guys. I'm loving Transformers particularly. I broke my leg last year and... Uh, I'll tell you that story one day. Uh, but I broke my leg and I've reread the entire series, rewatched the entire cartoon series as well as I was rehabilitating and it's been therapeutic to have you guys to listen and talk about it with me. So thanks for that. All right. Um, let you guys go for now. Talk to you later. Bye. You can also email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Special shout out to our Crusaders Club members. As I mentioned before, it's Patreon. Please come and join us. We got a pretty hefty group so far, but we would love to have more. Membership starts at $1 a month, and you will get that money back at least threefold. We'll just send you $3 back. How about that? John, why don't you tell us about your podcast and where you can be found on the internet? Okay, check out the Rod Pod. That's where Maggie and I uh, cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. And also uh, Married Watching Cartoons, where we take turns showing each other cartoons that the other one might not be as familiar with, as well as our other MWC podcasts. Uh, Just pointing your podcatcher to Married with Comics seems to be the best way to find us at the moment. Um, You can find it at all the podcast places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or ask your Amazon device to play Married with Comics podcast. Uh, We are on Twitter. I am at MWC underscore podcast. And I am not really on Twitter anymore, but if you want to find me, I'm at Maggie and the Rain. You can email us to, uh, we are at marriedwatchingcartoons at gmail.com. Yeah, do it. We dare you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in an mood now. <laughs> Maggie is hinting that we don't get all as many emails as we would like, so... Oh, then by all means, y'all should definitely email them. Yes, we'll answer them even. Uh, Pat, where can you be found? Well, Jonathan, I am glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin, where can you? I can be found on Twitter at DEE underscore RAY 1977. See you around, everybody. And please remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Till all are one. Till Til all are one. Oh, I, I was Pat. on mute. I was on mute. Sorry. Till all our one. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's a show now. You're at your best when the going gets rough. You've been put to the test, but it's never enough. You got the touch. You got the power. Where the hell's breaking loose, you'll be right.